0: outside the Chase Center during home games, uh the Warriors have an, like an ad hoc vaccine clinic outside. Uh which I think is which is which is very useful and fun, but the signage in front of it says uh go for 3 because they're trying to encourage booster shots, which I I think that's pretty clever uh ad copy. It's not bad. It's not bad. Unless you're Kyrie. Mm. Mm-hmm. What was what was the end result of Wasn't there a whole controversy of whether or not he, because he's not allowed to play, because he plays for the Knicks or the Nets? The Nets. And he's not allowed allowed to play at home, but if he's traveling to other places, he can? Correct. Yeah. Anyway, Anyway, good ad copy. But the reason I brought that up is that this may have been an offline conversation. Could have been online, could have been offline, online. But there, I didn't know where the place you were talking about was. So is this one of those things where I'm misforgetting? Is it called Miller and Lux? Miller and Lux. Yep ooh, good job, me. All right, so I did not know, yeah, because uh, back before my like hip broke, uh, I was running past it uh past the chase center, and I did not know that that place is like literally like if you're trying to bail on a basketball game in the third quarter, you can go get yourself a fancy steak and um some nice beverages and not even have to leave the the same city block
1: right, yeah, and I actually think that there is an entrance into the arena itself through the restaurant um oh the when when we went just this past weekend actually we weren't going to a, a game or anything so we just entered you know from the from the street but yeah it, it's literally inside the arena
0: yeah i mean for the three seconds i glanced in like it looked very very cool and nice and yeah it was a, so yeah how was your experience because i know that uh you had a dinner plan like around christmas eve-ish or something right yeah fill in the gaps for the listeners
1: yeah this so um the lady friend and i are fans of tyler florence who's the owner of the restaurant and he's a, a food network personality that's been on a number of shows over the years and we we really enjoy him he does a a fun show called the great food truck race which you you probably wouldn't like but but I, I think Why? it's, I don't know, it just, it seems too lowbrow for you. Um, but I, I think it's a, it's a fun show. Um, and so Tyler Florence also owns another restaurant in San Francisco called Waver Tavern, which is, which is excellent and has been one of our favorites for a number of years now. And, you know, the story with Miller and Lux is that, you know, it was, it was supposed to open, I, I think like at the same time that. Chase Center opened but then, you know, got delayed a bit and then was really delayed obviously with COVID and it finally opened um some sometime last year, I want to say maybe around like September last year. And you know, towards the towards the end of the year, we got to a place where, you know, we're not eating inside at restaurants all the time, but it's like a once in a while thing, we felt okay about it. And so we were Scheduled to go, I think like on the twenty seventh of December. They ended up shutting down over the holidays because of Omicron. And so we we delayed our visit until this past weekend and kind of turned it into a, a belated Valentine's Day dinner. Mm-hmm. Um but I guess the the shorter version of what I just said is that the um it was worth the wait. It was absolutely fantastic. Just a really Really cool and interesting space. The service is just top notch. Like so the the layout of the restaurant is from the street level, like when you peeked in, you were looking at um one of the bar areas. Mm-hmm. And then there's a set of stairs you go up to go into like the main restaurant. And when you arrive, you check in with someone downstairs, and then they radio somebody to come down and get you <laughs> and like escort you up to your table and mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a place where you like the manager comes and like checks in with you when you sit down and checks in with you again, before you leave, like it, it service was fantastic. The food was, it was one of the best meals I've probably ever had. Um, and it's, it's exceptionally expensive. So, you know, (laughs) you kind of get what you pay for, but, um, but yeah, Uh, it's, it's really good.
0: Two questions on that. Uh, what's, what's the general pre pre tip after tax total for two adults? So, but
1: um no no i mean you know it is what it is and people can look at the the menu right it's, it's you're you know with with uh, you know adult beverages and everything and tip you're you're kind of in the you know 150ish range per person so you know four dollar signs on open table i think
0: yeah i never know what that actually
1: means I, I don't either that's a big range yeah
0: okay and then what's the noise level
1: oh it it it's quiet no, hmm. it, it, it's um, well. Then that,
0: but then that 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 brings it. That gives it a. It gets um. Like, what's the golf thing? They get to take off a dollar sign for that. They get a mulligan on that. Like, because no, if because if you're a, a loud restaurant that's expensive is not worth the money, but a very quiet restaurant or one that feels kind of intimate and nice that that's worth like a thirty percent premium on the food cost.
1: Yeah, this this felt it, intimate is is a good word for it. That's that's definitely what it was. Yeah. Hmm. No, it, it it's fantastic. It's one of one of the best dinners i've ever had it was great
0: Hmm. okay well next quarter for our business sync up
1: oh yeah i'll let
0: let the boss pay (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um, yeah okay that's that's cool um is in they are primarily a steakhouse or what's what's their niche i haven't actually looked this up yet
1: they they are yeah okay so steak is kind of what they're known for um
0: Oh, what's they, the fry situation? They, are there any fries? They, have any tru-
1: they do have fries. Truffle fries are on did the you, menu. Did you two take part? I'm ashamed to say we did not.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: I know. I'm sorry. Um,
0: oh, you got need a do-over.
1: I know. I'm sorry. Um, mm. They they do a lot of fun things. So they do a table-side Caesar salad, which is, you know, you, you you can find that various places. But they're kind of spin on it is that they partner with this farm in Sonoma that literally grows these little like heads of romaine that are individually potted. And they, they literally bring the, the lettuce in a pot with the rest of the <sighs> ingredients and, and, um, cut it from the pot, like into the bowl. <laughs> um, we, we did not we did not order that but but i we saw that happening at a at a couple of other tables
0: uh, all right uh, um I, I, that that seems a teensy bit lame or contrived but but if you go to their website, you do see they've got a very nice video splash screen on this um but yeah, they do have the thing where somebody
1: is taking some kitchen scissors and cutting up some lettuce in front of you, like i mean. Eh. Right. Um, yeah. The other thing they do though, which I this I think you'll be a little more supportive of is, instead of a dessert menu, they have a dessert cart, mm-hmm. um, that has a, a bunch of different sort of like individual desserts, which is which is neat for a couple of reasons. Like it's neat to be able to like see everything. It's neat that they're individually sized, that everybody can kind of get their own thing, um, and they're they're really really just they're neat looking like i i got like a, um an apple pie kind of dessert that was actually like shaped to look like a real apple and it was it was i mean it was delicious um and it yeah it looked really nice
0: have you ever been to state bird provisions
1: yes i think for brunch maybe years and years ago
0: yeah i feel like that's the only bay area restaurant where a dessert card has ever made sense but I, I'm, I'm trusting your your guidance on this one.
1: <laughs> the the other, speaking of carts, the other thing they have is when you first sit down, they bring by a champagne cart. That's and that's complimentary. Is, uh, unclear. We we did mm. not we did not mm. partake in that. What? I, well, you know, um, I I had I had ordered a different drink. Oh yeah you, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah okay I got, yeah yeah yeah. Um, so, but actually, you know, it it I well, it it probably was not complimentary. Although something I was surprised about is that you know, because it was like a a you know, fancier dinner and a special occasion, we opted for sparkling water instead of still water, which we don't typically <laughs> do. And <laughs> we ended up having two bottles of that. And I we we were kind of joking about, you know, how much those bottles were going to be given how pricey everything else was. And I was totally expecting it to be something like, you know, 12, $15 a bottle, something like that. Were
0: they priced at cost?
1: Complimentary. Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, wait, you thought they were going to mark up a two seventy five bottle of Pellegrino to
1: $13. Oh yeah, definitely.
0: That's mm, in Biden's economy. Maybe, (laughs) um, (laughs) yeah that, that that's a nice touch uh-huh yeah but i'm assuming that means that the truffle fries on the menu had you partake and partook
1: uh would have been like 16 dollars i think that's probably about what they were yeah
0: isn't it weird when you live in the bay area long enough that it made up prices for anybody else listening probably they sound very real
1: dude don't look at the menu do you want to guess how much the manhattan i had was
0: well, the, uh, well, now we're going to talk about this for a long time, which is I I've, I, keep uh, postulating or hypothesizing that we're 18 months away from the Bay Area crossing into a, a norm where $20 cocktails or cocktail prices that start with a two is commonplace. So at a place like this, I'm going to say $21.
1: Yeah, no, not, not a bad guess and not, not bad reasoning. $24.
0: She no. Thumbs down.
1: You know, it's kind of no. neat though. They they do the thing where. Um, have you been to House of Prime Rib? Uh, several times. Okay. So, have you ever ordered a, a cocktail there?
0: It's been four years. I don't remember. Okay.
1: Well, they they do the thing where it's almost like a like when you order a milkshake at a diner where oh, they, you get they, the
0: extra for your sweetie, Mm-hmm. Uh, and you are your own sweetie,
1: <laughs> <laughs> precisely. Um, but Miller and Lux did a really nice touch on that where they, you know, they, they, they left the extra part of the drink, not just in the shaker, but in its own little glass container that they then put over a little bath of ice to keep cold until you poured it into your glass, which, which I thought was, was pretty neat. Uh, I've, I've got, um. I've got pictures of the dessert and of this drink that i'll I'll share with you um after we record here
0: yeah okay there's there's some good and some bad going on here, but i i yeah,
1: the only disappointing thing for us was um I mentioned Tyler Florence and that he was kind of you know one of the main reasons we were interested in going there and he he at least based on his instagram um has actually like been there a lot. And so we were we were kind of hoping he'd be there and we could meet him, but but
2: that did not happen.
0: <laughs> okay, um, that's cool. How is not a bit, but Tyler. Uh, I I can't. Whenever I think of a Food Network personality, I can only think of Bobby Flay's face. What does Tyler Florence look like? They uh-huh. look the same. <laughs> No, they, they, okay, no, they, they, if you did a blind tape, if you did a Pepsi challenge with this, they, they
1: look the same. Uh, well, I, I would be able to tell them apart, but
0: bro, wait, hold on. Okay. So, uh, I'm going to, wait, hold on.
1: Do you just call me bro? (laughs) Hold on. Um, copy,
0: copy image address. Do not, does this have it in the URL? No, damn it. It does. What
2: are you, what are you talking about?
1: It's a photo. You sent me a photo of Bobby fly
0: squint. And they look exactly the same.
1: (laughs) I mean, I mean, they're, they're similar. If the the URLs did
0: not have their name in the thing, I, I really feel like I could, you would have picked wrong.
1: No, I, I would have picked, I would have picked right, but I could see a lot of people not picking correctly. So you're, I, I, I take your point.
2: All right. (laughs)
0: Uh, I'm okay. I'm going to back out of this one before I get canceled. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. We're, we're, we're circling. We're, we're moving back. We're, we're, we're going to the parking lot. Hold on. There's a thing that I don't think made the agenda that I'm very, that I've been upset about for a lot of the week. And well, it's only the, the time that we, if it didn't, I,
1: if it didn't get included in the agenda, there's probably a reason for that, but continue.
0: Wait, What? what <laughs> uh, no, this is the tweet that you, uh, put in here of, um, Sometimes friend of the show?
1: Guy Fieri? Mm, always friend of the show.
0: Where was this?
1: <laughs> uh, this was at the... Um, I don't think this wasn't... This was a Saturday. So this wasn't the NBA All-Star Game. I think this was at the the events that happened the night before the game, which are like the dunk contest, three-point shooting contest, that thing which I think they just call like NBA all-star Saturday night. I don't know if this <laughs>
0: roll, rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Good
1: job, Nate silver. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so this picture it's got, it's got Mr. Fietti with his, with his frosted tips or just his bleached hair. And he's holding a bottle of Aquafina and he's got his oversized rings and his something that's not an Apple watch. He's wearing a leather jacket. And so this is my thing is that this is obviously indoors, Right.
1: Yeah, it's it's in an NBA arena. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: so was this a bit like was he just stuck a unlit cigar in his mouth for like multiple periods of a and be, like because you're obviously he's obviously not smoking indoors. So is this is that a thing that people do? It, it is. Yeah, just having a
2: cigar in your mouth. Just it is. Period. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, mm-hmm. mm.
0: <laughs> the pinnacle of cool. <laughs> it's, it's
1: pretty good.
0: Uh, which one's his son? He talks about his son a lot.
1: Um, the the his son is on the left, and why they, they might actually both both be. be yeah, but for for sure, Hunter. I Alexa,
2: think that's his how many name. kids
0: does Guy Fieri have? Hmm.
1: five is that what she five. said oh wow okay all right
0: um yeah no he he. in the kara swisher interview he did on the new york times sway podcast he talked a lot about his son who worked in a restaurant so i don't know which one it is but anyway uh,
1: but, H- hunter the one on his left has been involved with some of his restaurants
0: yeah again guy fieri ultimately kind of a cool dude but but i i i do think the cigar thing's really lame
1: it's um know. it's not something that i understand but it is a thing
0: yeah anyway and also the bleacher report tweet body just says just vibing which is a thing that people under 29 say they they talk about vibes a lot yeah and i don't know how that term looped back around because i think that that's very much a what's what's the generation older than us it's not gen x is it
1: i never can remember
0: but they used to say vibe and now gen z says vibing but that's cool. Millennials, we don't say any of that.
1: I didn't. I didn't know that was a a term that that has come back around. I thought it was a, a new thing.
0: No, no, young people love vibing.
1: Mm. But then, really, the older people also love vibing, but don't call it that anymore. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Okay. Yeah. But we in the middle don't call it that. Correct. We just have good words. So we are we not allowed to vibe, or are we just not allowed to call it vibing?
0: I just don't think we use that term at all. Like, I mean, I think, what was it? What, is it Tom Brokaw? Like, I mean, I think he misstated when he said uh, who the greatest generation is. I think it is typically millennials.
1: Do we have an alternative word for vibing? Hmm? Or do we just not have a way to describe when we're vibing?
0: I think people of our generation say it's a mood. I don't say that, but it's I think a, some people do. It's a mood. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. hmm so, like, so, if, so you you would have captioned this with Guy Fieri is just in a mood?
0: No, you... Mm-hmm. are. You, now you're just fucking with me. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, just Google in quotes and, uh, yeah, just this is a mood. Yeah, th- this was total. This is a totally thing people say. Okay, I'll believe you.
2: All right, all right. Greatest generation.
1: Um, I'm, I'm pretty close to changing my current guy Fieri avatar can we please in, in, in the slack well no what i would change it with would be um a screenshot of of this photo no
0: i'm i'm i don't know how to admin a slack thing <laughs> but i i have to feel as as the workspace owner that i have some veto pa- like is there a way i can delete your user picture
1: i think that's I locked go, I would, behind um, i would
0: go paid for that paid account yeah Again, the a, a Slack, a Slack, It's kind of like Dropbox and I, and iCloud. They give you enough, but they don't. They don't give you enough storage space, and that's how they try to rope you in. But the problem is that Slack just co- like I'm not paying whatever sixteen or eighteen dollars a month just to be able to upload pictures without it saying that annoying message. But if it allowed me to ban Guy Fieri, uh, uh profile pictures, that uh, was sales, This Salesforce subsidiary would get my money.
1: Um, All I right. actually, I actually have something to kind of bring these first two topics full circle. Which two? Uh the the NBA All Star Game and um, Miller and Lux. Okay. So part of the strategy with going to Miller and Lux was picking a night where there was not going to be a Warriors game or any other event at Chase Center. And I mm. and that ended up being, I think, a really good decision because I I've actually never really been in that area since the arena was finished, you know, being mm-hmm. constructed, and it. The the sense that I got was, it seems like it'd be kind of a nightmare to be down there on no. a game or event night. No, not at all. Really? Like, where do you park?
0: So they have... So yeah, so like, again, that's been my running route until I broke my hip, or my hip's been all funky, where they have, like, most of the parking... Do you know where that whole... There's that, like, Mission Rock complex where there's just kind of, like, two city blocks of undeveloped space oh, yeah. between uh-huh. right. AT&T Park and ucsf and right. chase center so there's that and a lot of the like garaged parking that they have is two blocks ahead of the stadium stadium and then the mta and sfpd they like they lock the whole area down so it is actually even like during games and after is not much of a nightmare at all
1: oh okay well it i i thought it was kind of nice being there just on a quiet evening because it was really easy mm-hmm. to park and you know nothing was all that i mean it was it was basically a ghost town around the arena that night so mm-hmm.
0: um and you probably got some got some fills on the way home
1: <laughs> I, I did we did walk by that mobile only order um well that fills, that one's yeah. a that one's a real one the oh. one, it,
0: uh the one inside or underneath the salesforce transit center is the one that's the mobile order oh one.
1: got it I, I thought i thought that fills by chase center seemed awful big to be a mobile order only spot so that makes sense yeah
0: But also, um, I assume if you guys walked down the area, you got to see the like three separate buildings related to Uber's offices in Mission Bay.
1: We we did walk walk right by those, yeah, yeah. yeah, But those didn't those not those didn't open until like they opened like sometime during COVID, right? So I yeah, they've never I assume really been fully operational, not or at least not in the way that they probably anticipated.
0: Yeah i wonder if they would just if there. i don't think there's any billboard space down there but would uh the new showtime series super pumped uh have ads down there i
1: don't know well i uh, mike isaac, posted mike isaac that. is on of
0: big old pr tw-
1: well he he posted that photo i think there's a billboard I, I think it might be one of the ones by the bay bridge that's that's ad- advertising it now
0: they're taking up valuable billboard space that could be taken up by a middleware company that does not clearly explain what it actually does, but has enough buzzwords in it to, um, <laughs> I guess, make a, a VC Google it. I don't know.
2: Still love that. Um, uh, what's his name? The box guy
0: I had a real good tweet about that. Oh, yeah. He, he's a good Twitter follow. What's his name? I, a, a, not Stephen Levy. Um, Is it Adam. Aaron Levy?
1: Aaron, there we go.
0: Yeah, yeah. no, he's cool. But again, his whole thing was if you put enough uh, cloud and enterprise software ads together and airport forms around it, it's pretty funny. Mm -hmm. All right, follow up. What's in the news for Peloton?
1: So the new CEO, whose name is failing me, you're you're better with the names, Barry McCarthy. He's been...
0: (laughs) The guy that founded Barry's Bootcamp.
1: That's not true, is it? It is not. Okay. Um, <laughs> you, you almost had me there for a second. Is Barry's a Bay Area thing? Uh, I, like, did it start here? Probably. I, I mean, I've seen them in San Francisco. So, um, But anyway, he's been sort of on the new CEO kind of interview tour and has given a couple of interviews to the Financial Times and the New York Times and I'm, I'm sure other places as well. The Indian Times. right um has been reiterating up and down that that the company is is not for sale and has no plans to to be acquired and he he talks in one of the interviews about how you know he's moving from california to new york so that should demonstrate you know how serious he is in this for the long haul That, that could be a refreshingly honest answer or it i don't know (laughs) it <laughs> could not really mean anything hard Option to say
0: <laughs> <laughs> because like if you're paid that much you have like you have to lie like i mean even if a sale was imminent he couldn't say anything otherwise and in case the deal falls apart you have to be as like gung-ho about your like business as usual approach so that it i i read that as being no greater sign of truthfulness or of a stable company otherwise but
1: yeah um anyway um I'll, I'll put i'll put um links to to both of these interviews in the notes one of the things that stood out to me was something that we talked a little bit about uh, last week or the week before which was sort of about you know sort of kind of almost like what makes peloton peloton and um he in this was the new york times interview he gets asked, uh, what do you want Peloton to be? Is it about the hardware, the software? And basically his answer is just, it's, it's not really about the hardware, it's, it's about the, the platform and the experience. Like The quote here is that um, the magic happens on the screen. That's where the user experience is, right? It's the music, it's the instructors, it's all the social aspects that we have only just begun to develop and that's where we're going to spend our money. Which I think is exactly right
0: do you think that is um it was a business term is there enough of a moat around that like do you think that is something that they that can't be replicated and that because yes like the instructors and the classes are like the bike is definitely secondary um but do you think they have enough of that to make to keep that in-house or not be like replicated by somebody else
1: I mean, it, it's not. It wouldn't be impossible to replicate, but I do think it'd be pretty hard. Because somebody who tried to replicate it would have to, they they would have to do something different. They'd have to do something to be, you know, not just a Peloton clone. And that'd be. I think that'd be hard.
0: Well, like, well, I guess my my counterpoint is because Peloton also don't they have um, like a subscription thing that is just classes. Right. Like for general purpose fitness?
1: Yeah, cuz they do um strength classes and yoga and meditation and and stretching and all kinds of stuff that, you know, don't but require I, the the bike or the treadmill.
0: But I guess I don't get the impression that that is all that successful. It's mostly the instructors on the bike.
1: Yeah, I I'm it's not really clear to me why you would subscribe to Peloton without, you know, being on a supported bike or treadmill, but
0: i mean i I guess it's just how my point would be that that feels at odds with the original statement of it not being a synergy of personalities, classes, and hardware
1: well i I think what well, I guess you know the the this new peloton c e o is not saying this, but this has been suggested by like German did an article on this, and it's been suggested a million places, which is basically why couldn't Peloton just sort of you know license out their platform onto other device makers um you know bikes and stuff and i think that's totally right like there cuz there's nothing about the peloton bike itself really that you know is in any way really tied to the video like you you could pretty much put a peloton class on just about any you know bike and it would work yeah so I think that's that's sort of that's sort of an interest like German's article, which was titled something like Peloton should get out of the hardware business. Like I kind of wanted to dismiss it when I saw that, but I, I did actually read it and I, I didn't totally hate the idea.
0: So is there no integration of the um of there, the of the like i guess like how much how much some. data how much data is the bike about like what you're actually doing feeding back into the on screen experience i assume a decent amount
1: well you, sure, so obviously like you're um like they're they they measure three things they measure like the speed that you're pedaling they measure your resistance, and then they combine those two numbers into a kind of a combined number called your output and that output number is you know what drives like your place on leaderboards and it's how you set personal achievements etc cetera, etc cetera. um so i mean there is that but you know you could that's something you could replicate on you know other bikes um and then you know the bike that i have which is like the the bike plus or whatever it's called the you know slightly fancier bike it it has a a thing where it automatically adjusts the, the resistance on the bike to match what the instructor is recommending that you do. So, but that again, that's something that you could build into other manufacturers' hardware too. Like there's nothing, you know, like it's not, it's not like an iPhone, right? Where, you know, replicating that hardware it has proven to be something that really nobody else has done like i i think with with something like a peloton bike nordic track or whoever could probably pretty easily build a bike that would work you know really well with peloton's classes
2: hmm.
1: oh and at the, i forget which interview this was in too but um Oh yeah, I think it's it's in this New York Times article. This was something else that we that we talked about. So the question is, so instead of selling a bike outright for more than $2,000 and then selling a subscription, you're thinking of selling the whole thing as a as a subscription, say 150 or 200 a month like a high-end gym membership. And he basically says, yeah, that is something they're thinking about doing.
0: Who? Mm. I I I feel like the addressable or like the target market for that or people who would be willing to spend that much is very small.
1: Yeah, pr- probably.
0: To to the point of making it not worth it.
1: Yeah, I mean, because
0: like because like, uh, Peloton's forty five or fifty a month for the all access thing.
1: It's thirty nine a month. Yeah. yeah,
0: that even that seems kind of on the high
1: end. No, no way. That, that that's I think that's what's so funny about Peloton is that the the bike is like outrageously expensive for what it is but i think that 39 dollars a month is a steal for what you get for the the quality and variety and quantity of the classes like i think yeah i i think that's that's fantastic
0: Mm. all right well they have a customer for life (laughs) and you'll be using that sweet sweet gym kit and i i don't know what this i don't know what any of this next story is about something Uh, something video games something something gym kit which is not a thing i remember apple ever making something something
1: yeah so so gym kit is this thing that's it's been around a long time now since watch os3 maybe like i think maybe since like the second apple watch hardware iteration where um apple had said that you know we're gonna basically make these partnerships with a bunch of gym equipment and you're going to be able to pair your apple watch so that you can you know track your um your workout with you know metrics from whatever you know uh gym equipment you were working out on and you know in in very apple like fashion it's never really taken off and has only been adopted in a a few very like niche gyms um, but one place that did build out this integration um was was Peloton, at least on the the higher end bike. Um I think the is, I think it's the, the bike and the bike plus, I think are the, the two names of them. But the, the higher end bike, whatever it's called, the one that I have, does have gym kit integration. But what also has happened since that bike first came out is that Peloton has started to come out with their own like heart rate monitors and sort of like you know um workout tracking devices that you know they would rather you use instead of an apple watch and so they've basically kind of abandoned the the gym kit integration like it still works on cycling workouts but they i guess i think this happened before i bought our bike but i i think it used to be where the Apple Watch could be used on any kind of workout, but now it's specifically just the cycling ones. And then with this lane break thing, which is this um kind of video game esque workout thing they just came out with, they there is no there's no gym kit support in that. And that's probably an indication of what's going to be happening in the future, which is any new type of workout that comes to their platform is not gonna support GymKit. Which is too bad because I use it on every single one of my cycling workouts. And I really like it. Hmm.
0: So it's, but again, what, what is lane break?
1: Uh, lane break is sort of like, um, it almost kind of looks like a guitar hero kind of, uh, UI. And it's, it's, it's basically like a game that you play that, um, that, you know, is, is a workout. And yeah, I I I haven't tried it yet, but I I've read a couple stories and it seems like sort of, you know, you're you're basically building up a score and your score goes up, you know, the faster you're pedaling and the, you know, more resistance you have. So, yeah, look it looks kind of neat. I I do want to check
2: it out. Hmm. All right.
0: Um mark german has a couple of scoops or a couple of, like just some, some provides guidance on what to expect from the spring apple event and it's so correct me if i'm wrong the gist is that it, there's likely to be an a second event closer to may or just that there are there's a lot that's going to happen but there may be some stuff that gets like just announced in terms of a press release in may so, what
1: so what's really helpful with this article, and then what's sort of like new about this article is that he's talked about the idea of a bunch of new Macs coming out, and he's kind of listed off a couple here and there. But this this new article has basically a what he says is like a comprehensive list of every new Mac that's coming out this year. So he's saying a Mac Mini with an M1 Pro chip a 13-inch MacBook Pro with an M2, a Mac Mini with an M2, the 24-inch iMac that they announced last year revised with an M2, um, the redesigned MacBook Air that's been rumored forever with an M2, and then the larger iMac, which will probably be an iMac Pro with the same M1 Pro and M1 Max chips that were introduced last year in the 14 and 16-inch MacBook Pros, and then finally the kind of long-rumored half-sized Mac Pro with some kind of crazy like double or quad configuration of the of the M1 Max. Um, so he seems to have like this he seems to know everything that's going to be coming out this year but what's, what's really interesting is that it's it's painfully clear in all of his reporting that he has no idea when any of these are going to come out including at this rumored march event like he he continues to say that there'll be at least one mac announced at that event but he's he doesn't in any way indicate which one it's going to be so i think it's very much tbd on on when when we see these although i i have i have thoughts or i have guesses
0: I mean, the, the only stuff that is kind of feels like guaranteed for the whatever uh, forthcoming March event is um, refreshed uh, or five G enabled uh, iPhone SE
1: and an iPad Air five. Yeah, right? he, He's been reporting that for a while, and yeah. then just
0: Macs are just toss up.
1: Yeah, and I, I, my guess would be. Well, we when we when we've talked about this some. Like, I think it'll be that Mac Mini with the M one Pro chip from last year and then i actually i kind of assuming that this list that he's providing is is the actual kind of complete and accurate list i think that's that's the only one that we'll see at this event and then i think we'll see the larger imac as well as the mac pro we'll see those at wwdc probably with the iMac being available pretty shortly thereafter and the Mac Pro probably not being available until like later in the year. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of this stuff, which is all M2-related stuff, I think we'll see in the fall at probably like an October event.
0: Sorry, again, give me when, when's my new computer coming?
1: I would say WWDC. So, uh, so to, to recap, I would say Mac Mini with an M1 Pro chip that's what'll be at this March event. And I just like we've talked about before, I think the reason that hasn't leaked and the reason Gurman doesn't know about it is because it's probably going to be in exactly the same case as that higher end Intel Mac Mini is this the space gray one. And, you know, many, many examples of of the rare Apple hardware that doesn't leak is the stuff that's just in the existing form factor that's just harder to to pick up. So I, I think we'll see that then i think at wwdc in a few months we'll see the the imac pro and the mac pro and then finally at an october event we'll get the the redesigned macbook air with the m2 chip that'll be kind of like i think the headline product and then they'll then they'll say oh yeah and by the way you can get this new m2 chip in the 24-inch imac the mac mini and this lower and
2: 13-inch macbook pro
0: neat yeah it's gonna be an exciting year
1: i very exciting year yeah yeah, yeah i'm really um very excited to see what that higher-end iMac is you know the Mac Pro will be kind of neat to see but whatever um and then very interested to see what that redesigned MacBook Air is because isn't it like the the form factor of the of the MacBook Air it, like hasn't it been around since like yeah i mean 20- the 24 what 14 or something it's been around a long time
0: yeah i mean it's only gone through like two like one right one and a half major redesigns since like the inner office envelope thing right yeah and then yeah like the first two apple silicon based uh macs were basically they changed nothing about them they, they were just kind of like hey let's put uh, an arm based processor in the shell of the intel ones and just get them out the door all right. Um. Last bit of follow up is a very overdue follow up, or something that we talked about a long time ago, and I didn't know where else to fit it. So, did you ever get a new remote for you? Remember last year at was it the iPhone event? When, when did the revised second gen Apple TV four K come out?
1: I think With that was part of. Remote. I think that was part of the iPhone event last year.
0: Yeah. So they they made, they made another Apple TV, but they changed basically nothing about it. It had a slightly—I think the one that we both have is—it has like a A10X, maybe. It has like an iPad processor in it.
1: I—I I can honestly tell I or tell you I, I never think about the processor that's in my my Apple TV. <laughs> so well, I, could, I mean, couldn't tell you.
0: As somebody who loves gaming, I mean, I, mm. wouldn't you be acutely aware of it? Mm, you would think, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they they bumped the processor. It now some something about it is slightly better in terms of like frame rate, HDR, something or other. Who who cares? Um, But the big thing was that they 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 gave the apology remote, where they for years the Siri remote had a terrible design, and then they made it two percent less terrible by adding like a raised white outline around the. Menu button, so you could tell sometimes if you were holding it upside down, but that's all they fixed. But then last year, they redesigned it to not suck anymore. So it actually has like a dedicated side button to activate Siri. It's got directional buttons as a, as well as a touchpad, so you can still do the swipey stuff. And I think they added a couple more buttons, but overall, it was a, it was a big upgrade. But they also allowed the remote to be purchased separately. And I don't know why, uh, but I finally got, uh, replaced the remote, and it's nice. I've only had it for a day. It's nice.
1: Yeah, I, I bought one basically right when it came out, and yeah, it, it is really nice. It's not perfect. Uh, I think the the touchpad is still kind of finicky. Um, well,
0: so 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 with with that though, so when I was pairing it, and I do like the way that you pair a new Apple uh, Apple Siri remote. Sorry, uh, an Apple TV remote is that you just hold it really really close to the Apple TV, and there's no like Bluetooth pairing. It just suddenly works right it's kind of neat mm-hmm. but it it automatically or maybe i just already happen to be in settings it dumps you into a thing where you can control like do you want it to be click only or click plus touchpad you can change the um speed at which the touchpad works which is my biggest complaint so i set it to slow and that addressed most of my issues hmm, so maybe I, I haven't tried that. that yeah okay yeah i find that like because if you graze the touchpad sometimes it still just swipes through too much stuff um, and then also the one thing I, cause I had been using my harmony remote, like exclusively for two years to control the Apple TV, or I would just use my phone. But when I paired the new remote, I was like, I hate the fact that the Apple, that the TV button, which in the old days of Apple TV would just take you back to the home screen it now opened up that Apple TV app, which I don't like or need. Cause I just, the video sources I use aren't in it, but there's also a thing to just make that take you back to the home screen too. So yeah. Like there, there, there's enough customization options that actually makes it very nice.
1: Yeah, and it it really is worth using the Apple remote instead of something like a Harmony remote, mostly because it's so much more responsive. Yeah, like the the, the problem with the Harmony remote, you know, and it, I I you know used Harmony for years and years and years and, and really liked it, but when you use your device's native remote, like the TiVo is this way too, it's it's just so much more responsive. So once once you start using the the apple tv remote it's it's tough to go back to something like the harmony yeah
0: and and i literally never used siri on the apple tv box and i probably still won't but it is kind of nice for it to be there
1: yeah i I use it every once in a while and it's it's kind of nice that that button's just kind of tucked away on the side where you know it's there if you need it but it's kind of out of the way if you don't Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's a nice remote i i I, I guess i just kind of have a mental block where i i always forget which button is which like it, it's i i should just commit it to memory so i can do it by touch but like i feel like i'm always if i'm not looking at the remote clicking the wrong button
0: oh yeah well i mean i i, I just chalk that up to it being a remote i hadn't used in a while but actually i I do foresee that being anytime i'd want to go back be- like maybe it's just muscle memory like of where the harmony buttons are but like I was I would always pick the wrong thing, and I'd never know where the pause button was.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. that's my problem. But but yeah, no. Overall, it's it's um it's really good. Battery lasts on it forever, which is really nice. I think I've charged mine like once.
0: The huh. downside, or the one thing that I actually do really like about the Harmony remote that I think would be something that I would give up if I use this full time is that the Harmony One, Harmony Plus, whatever it is, Harmony Elite has four dedicated. Um, like smart home buttons at the bottom and I really liked or well I mean it's it's still the case but like that you could program
1: hue scenes Ooh, into that no no there's something better for you which is what I I made this as chef special a long time ago so thanks for for listening
0: but... no I, I remember that but I felt like it, but I now that I'm thinking of it like I think there's there was some like super fiddly element that I that i re- re- reject
1: well I mean home kits involved so you know so yes <laughs> Zero uh,
0: things I have run on HomeKit except I think I once tried to when I locked myself out of my house to hope that I had set up August in HomeKit one time ago and I did not.
1: Well, some the scenes that I'm setting up for TV viewing, all they are are turning certain lights off and dimming other lights and that mm-hmm. that's pretty easy to do in HomeKit. So that that works really well. But then how do you um trigger that? You so you hold down the home button on the remote and that brings over um, tv um i think it's called control center um it's the, or it's the control center equivalent um and one of the tiles there is um is like basically a little mini home app and when you click that it brings up a list of uh, scenes and then you just click on the scene that you want
0: and there's no way for me to just kind of set the lights how I'd want them to because I because I have scenes set up in yeah. other places and just say like, hey, remember how everything is right now. Can I do, do that?
1: Well, you could. I guess you could do that in the home app, like on your phone, and save that as a scene, which you can then access from the from your TV. But you can't set up new scenes on the TV, as far as I know. Okay. No. Um. All right. I I think the the, the other big thing with trying to to do the Apple TV life or the Apple TV remote lifestyle is that, I mean, the other thing it doesn't have is any sort of like source input control for your TV.
0: But now that I don't have a TiVo, like there's nothing else plugged into my TV except this.
1: Well, that's, yeah. I mean, that's mostly where I'm at too, with the exception being, um, on the, you know, handful of occasions we want to watch like a sharks game or something on TV, I've got to switch over to that stupid X one box thing that I have. Um, but there, there is a input button on that remote. So I can just use that when I need to, but, but yeah, I mean, if if you're all in on the Apple TV thing, which, which, you know, I generally am, it's, it's fine. But if you're somebody who's switching inputs on your TV regularly, it's, it's no good for that.
0: I have not figured out how to get it to turn on the TV. I did find a way to get it to, because to, it has like an IR learning mode where it, it can control no, no, my no, soundbar, no. but I don't know how to get it to turn on the TV.
1: No, no, no. You just you do that through the HDMI CEC stuff because your soundbar think... is connected via HDMI,
0: right? Well, it is, but it, it need, I needed to, because then when I, but I, that's where I think I have the CEC turned on because when I first started trying to use the volume keys on the remote, which did the old remote have volume keys? I don't think it
1: did. No, it did. Yeah. Mm.
0: But yeah, it was trying to control the sound on the LG TV.
1: Well, yeah. So you, you've got to enable the, the CEC stuff. And then once you've done that, you've got to tell it what you use for sound. And you just you tell it you're using your sound bar.
0: Well, no, but I guess what I'm saying is that it, since it was trying to control the sound on the tv it was obviously using cec for something already so therefore i feel like it's already set up to turn on the tv if that was supported that's that's a separate option too man apple's why does apple give you options for
1: everything it's very it's actually when you go into that menu it, it's it's pretty straightforward you know, I'm, I'm just joking because
0: apple generally doesn't give you options for anything oh so yeah, the yeah. Uh, the abundance of options being the one time that they actually do that is is very funny
1: well they in a situation like this where they're they don't own all the hardware. They they kind of have to.
0: Well, even when they do
1: own all of. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So, no, but anyway, it was... no. It did play around with that. It, it's not terribly hard to set up.
0: Yeah. And lastly, it's got some heft to it, which I think it's it the, the all the old Apple TV remotes, like even the one like back when the um, Apple TV was a hockey puck, more reminiscent hockey cube thing. And then yeah, when they had the old serum, like they were just too light. This one's it's got a decent amount of heft to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right um let's let's move the tv c- uh, stuff up so you can talk for a bit and then and then we'll go back to other things
1: yeah so i think the the most interesting link that we have in here is the the olympics stuff um which which well, it's an a- ap news link we'll put that in the notes people should read it um it's just basically a look at You know, NBC made this deal back in 2014 to be the exclusive broadcaster of the Olympics here in the U.S. through like 2032. And, you know, seemed like a pretty good deal at the time that the deal was made, but in the years since then has become sort of an increasingly um, kind of dim-looking deal, considering the ratings for the Olympics have been down significantly since that time. and. I think what's interesting is just trying to figure out sort of why the ratings are down and if it's a temporary thing or if it's more of a longer term thing. And I think there's good arguments either way. I I tend to think it's probably more of a longer term permanent thing, which is which is obviously the outcome that that would not be good for NBC. Um but I think and, and this AP news article does a really good job kind of summarizing the the issues that are obviously specific to the last couple of olympics around you know the covid stuff with there not being any fans in this the stadiums and arenas and venues and how you know none of the athletes families are there and how you know the the hosts basically aren't allowed to like leave the studio um and I, I do think that really plays or has played a, a big part in the ratings for both the Summer Olympics last year and the Winter Olympics that just ended this year. Like, we, we've got enough data now that shows that sports that are happening where there's no fans, like ratings on TV are way, way down. Um, because it's it's just weird to watch live sports with no fans. It, it, like during this this last Olympics, anytime they'd go show a replay from a previous Olympics, like it was just so like painfully obvious, like how different the atmosphere is when there's fans, and it's it's just weird not seeing them there, and and then like they they would do this thing where when they were interviewing an athlete, you know, after their um after their event, like I mean, first of all, the person interviewing them was standing like 20 feet away and then they'd be like talking to their family over, you know, like a Zoom kind of thing. Like it just it just was weird. Mm-hmm. Um and just not as fun to watch. Um so like I so I think that I mean, obviously that would be sort of like if you're in the camp of thinking like, "Oh, well, last year and this year were kind of a blip and things will come back." Like you'd kind of point to the to the COVID stuff and then I mean, obviously, particularly with this Winter Olympics, there was the whole aspect of it being in China. Um, You know, if you'd point to those things and say, well, it's kind of a temporary thing. And then going forward, you know, assuming that COVID stays better and, you know, you're in kind of more um, less politically controversial areas like Paris and um, uh, 2024. And Italy for the next Winter Olympics, et cetera, like ratings will come back. But I, I think the really, really interesting thing that's happening with the Olympics is like I was, I was thinking about this when watching the Winter Olympics the last couple of weeks, how like when we were kids, right? Like think about how you got like sports news typically. Like, you know, if you wanted to know last night's baseball score, you know, you'd find it in I- the, the newspaper the next morning. Mhm. And like with the Olympics, like I remember watching them as a kid and you know, you watched NBC's primetime coverage and like that was the only way to see it. And and you you didn't have to worry about spoilers like that that you'd find out about during the day because like literally there just like really wasn't any way to to find out about them. So you just, you know, you watched what was on prime time, you didn't really care when it happened because you didn't know the results or anything but
0: well, I mean this this is what we talked about with like Game of Thrones and many other things, which is like it's the death of uh, like since streaming and on demand stuff has taken place, which is that there're just far fewer everybody's watching at the same time live t v events and especially since haven't like most of the recent Olympic Games all had severe just due to geography, severe time shift issues in terms of when the popular events happen and what's actually gonna match up with daylight hours and prime time
1: in the US? Well we'll 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 get to that. That was actually something that was working in NBC's favor these last couple of Olympics, but t- table that for a second. Um like i i do think that the the pr- one of the big problems is that this sort of like prepackaged sort of primetime thing which you know used to be the only way that you could see this stuff you know now no longer is and and in, in a lot of cases is stuff that probably got spoiled for you you know before you saw it and i think particularly with sports like, I'm the type of person, and I think a lot of people are this way, where, like, if you know the outcome of something with live sports, like, it's not really fun to go back and watch. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. it is, but, but usually the fun is, you know, not knowing. Um, but
0: again, that's, that's where everything was that way before the internet. It, exactly. I mean, it's just yeah. like, cause even, like, yeah, like, even if you, somebody said, like, oh, like, hey, like, the, the, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm not an Olympics person, but the 400 meter dash or something is, is like, it was really amazing. Like, you wouldn't have the ability to just find out what that was. You had to go seek it out. So, therefore, yeah, you would probably use linear TV or something like that. But if it's a thing where you have the Bleacher Report app installed or the New York Times says that anything newsworthy automatically gets pushed to your screen, that's one less captive viewer to want to consume that type of thing. So, that's just overall going to get worse in the future for NBC, who it, also, I'm assuming. Keeps paying more and more for this, just because like no, that's, that's... it was
1: it was no, it was actually a fixed a fixed price they got back in 2014 for the rights through 2032.
0: Well, but, but with um like the Lakers contracts and many other, even in the heyday, or like when we've seen that cord cutting and the internet has caused slightly shrunken or depressed viewership numbers, haven't sports costs for like the larger leagues kept going up?
1: Oh uh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, but they they managed to lock it in before the problem got really bad, right? But overall, uh, it is still getting less valuable because of those trends,
1: right? Exactly. Um. So, but I so I think the the interesting thing is that you know you had all these factors you know working against the last couple of Olympics, with namely being the COVID stuff, and then in the case of this most recent Olympics, China, and then you know the 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 positive spin will be you know we've got. Paris coming up, uh, then Italy, and then LA in 2028. So we've got like these venues, which are going to be, you know, venues that like an American audience is going to, you know, feel better about. And like in the case of LA, it'll be, you know, same like time zone and everything for a lot of people. Um, (laughs) But before you get to those LA Olympics, the ones in Paris and Italy I think are actually probably part- particularly going to be an issue for NBC. Like I was actually thinking about this last week when, when watching the the Winter Olympics, which is the thing that NBC's had going for them in both the Summer Olympics last year and the Winter Olympics this year was that, given that they were in Tokyo and Beijing, they could show a bunch of stuff happening in the morning local time live during prime time like it it just so happened that a lot of the popular stuff like in the summer olympics last year like swimming and some of the gymnastics stuff like that stuff happens in the morning local time and so they were able to show that that live and then with the winter olympics like a lot of the skiing which is really popular like that was live because uh, it was happening in the morning in beijing and the problem with with Paris and Italy is that that's not going to be possible <laughs> because prime time um, for either the East Coast or the West Coast in the U.S. is is the middle of the night in Paris and Italy, and so mm-hmm. you know <laughs> it's really problem. <laughs> so really, like, I mean, definitely, like, you know, twenty sixteen, twenty eighteen, like, obviously, internet's becoming a bigger thing, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera, but like. As we've really gotten into overdrive with social media and all that stuff in you know 2020 and beyond, NBC's kind of been a little lucky where a lot of the stuff has been happening naturally at a time where they could still show it live to a primetime audience, and and they're not going to have that in the next couple of Olympics. So then, like I, I really don't know what NBC does in a situation like they're going to have the next couple go arounds where there's nothing that they can show live in prime time. And I, I I don't think a glorified like clip show in an age where you'd be really hard pressed to even stay away from spoilers. If you tried, I just don't think that's going to work. So I have no idea what they're going to do. I mean, they, they, I mean, I hope they do the same thing they did for this last Olympics where they, they kind of crushed it on Peacock and they just made Mm -hmm. everything, Full. available live and on demand and in full like i i hope that's what they do but like i just i can't imagine that's all that economically lucrative so let me let me hit pause on that for a sec just to get, to push
0: forward uh, a a reinforced pick of the week so there was a or a chef special uh trademark there was a very good episode of the wall street journal the journal podcast uh last week about uh, NBC's trouble with the Olympics and how that was supposed to be a launching point for Peacock. And one of the main issues with the Tokyo delayed summer games was that they didn't have the rights with the traditional broadcast providers, which is why so many things were unavailable for it. But this year, everything was, which is a huge difference. And But with this one, you, as a Comcast subscriber, did you get... Because like, the whole thing was you had to be on peacock plus or the non-free one in order to get access to all the olympic stuff did you get that out of the box by being a Comcast video subscriber
1: i i am a peacock plus subscriber so i i couldn't i couldn't tell you what the difference was between the five and ten dollar plan gotcha
0: but yeah no apparently this year like the, the whole like peacock got a year later start than it was supposed to and the whole thing was supposed to be hey 2020 olympics but even when it did happen last year it still stunk because they weren't able to license to get everybody on board and compensate them for any potential loss of viewership or revenue, which is why the experience was so crappy during the summer games. Yeah, no, it
1: was, it was, it was awesome this year. Um, But it it just feels like, especially the next couple of Olympics where that there seems like they're going to have to like really lean on that even more heavily, given that, the primetime stuff i just it just isn't really gonna work Mm -hmm. um i just i'm fascinated to to know what the economics of that look like because it just it just doesn't seem like the numbers would add up
0: well and and the number of people who would actually care enough to really be moved by everything being available live versus trying to group that stuff for primetime i feel like the number of people who care enough about that is probably under 10 percent
1: that that's the thing right is like i mean say what you will about the primetime stuff but like it is an easy to access kind of pre-programmed lineup of stuff for you to watch mm-hmm. because and, if, you, if you
0: get the fire hose that's kind of hard to navigate
1: oh i mean it, it it totally is yeah um so i mean yeah i mean even like i mean uh, for us like i i i mostly stuck with the primetime stuff there was a couple things i specifically picked out on peacock but like i'm i'm not really seeking out specific events generally i'm just kind of you know casually following along and you know the 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 primetime stuff when there has been a lot of actual live coverage like has actually worked out really well um but when there's no live coverage it just i'm not even sure what that is anymore So, yeah, really, um,
2: yeah, interesting. Sounds
0: like they're in the same boat as rights holders to baseball. Hmm. Um, all right. Uh, and then the other part of this, I don't actually understand this story, but I do, you can just throw the link in the thing. Uh, but according to Deadline, AMC is has entered a deal with Comcast and Cox Communications for... quote addressable ads in each hour of programming, and I read the article twice, and I still don't entirely get it. But does this mean, or just give me what you think it means? Does this mean that they're using, like, they're doing like dynamic ad insertion based on what your cable company thinks you'd want to see? Yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. But then, how would the cable company do that? What do you mean? How would they? Insert ads for specific, but like per on a per household basis.
1: Well, I would assume from a technical perspective, it's probably only going to work in households like like mine, which is you know the 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 in air quotes cable box that I have. It's it's just a internet connected box. Like it just has Ethernet connected to the back of it. There's no coax connected to it. So it's it's just a it's just a video stream, you know coming over coming over the internet for for me and so that that's how it you know it would just work like any other kind of online video for traditional cable subscribers or cable subscribers you still have a traditional cable box i guess is the better way to say it i don't know how it would work for those or maybe maybe it doesn't work for those viewers i'm not sure
0: yeah um A quote from the svp of advanced advertising quote we are meeting the moment with the most valuable and relevant ads that have ever been possible on linear television fully addressable spots reaching tens of millions of homes in every hour of original programming i don't think the customers care about this or i mean i i i
2: eh, i
0: is this even worth investing in i feel like people are just going to stop watching traditional cable tv before any possible advances are going to come about to make programmatic programmatic and dynamic ads on cable even worth it but
1: hmm. i i just i fast forward ads on tv i can't tell you yeah i don't have a tvr anymore so i don't know
0: it's much easier when you just watch four shows
1: per year and then you're just done so how are how are you gonna watch Better Call Saul just on demand?
0: Um, it's gonna fall off a truck.
1: Oh, because I pay it. for cable.
0: I have uh, uh, no guilt. I just currently, <laughs> I was hoping maybe that was why I bought the Siri remote. I was like, maybe if I invest in the Apple TV ecosystem, that will will like the Xfinity Stream app to be available like
1: just today or something. But, yeah, a lot of a lot of speculation on. Um, Read it about that.
0: I googled that, and some some dude said that like it had like a date of like January fourteenth, and I was like,
1: "You're a liar." It,
0: pr- pr- <laughs> oh. Proven liar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, quick th- point of order, or something you can clarify for me. So I was trying you you made a chef special sometime last year about overcast having streaming over cellular on the watch, and again, I'm trying to do less stuff with my phone. Try to take control of attention for a little bit and i was like normally i just listen to music or i don't listen to anything but i was like hey no i let me i want to go for a walk late at night and i want to go listen to marketplace or something so I was like hey let me install the overcast app on my watch and i tested it out inside my apartment before i left the house and i turned bluetooth off on the phone to make sure the watch was not like it, was, it wasn't syncing something and like oh hey like all the podcasts showed up and then i took my Headphones out and went for a walk. And then the overcast app was then empty on the watch. So just off the top of your head, do you remember, was there any extra setup or anything you had to do to somehow make this work? Cause I cannot get it to
1: work at all. So the, the, um, um, overcast app for the watch, which was basically completely rewritten around that time that I had made it a chef special. Um, it makes it so that there is basically two modes it can be in. It can be a essentially a remote control for what's on your phone, or it can be a standalone player for items on your your watch. And when you open the app, there's there's literally two sections. There's on my watch and on my phone. And so my guess is that. You were just seeing the on my phone section, and then when you got out of range of your phone, you—that is accurate. You lost all that stuff. So that the,
0: what do I have to do to? Yeah.
1: So the extra step you have to do is from the main screen. There's the little settings icon at the top on the watch on the phone. On the watch, so there's no there's no watch controls um, as a part of the phone app anymore. The watch app is totally standalone. So when you go to settings on the watch app, you have to select which playlists which is none by default that you want to have synced to your watch it's a little bit misleading (laughs) the way it's named because it says you know download to my watch and that's true it will it will download things in the background when your watch is plugged in and and connected to wi-fi but whatever playlist you have selected to do that You'll you'll be able to see every single episode on your watch, even the ones that aren't downloaded. And if they're not downloaded, you'll have the option to stream them.
0: Hmm. So okay.
1: that's that's a step you missed.
0: So thank you for explaining that, but that's not what I want. Like I just want I don't want it to. I just want it to be able to like see my subscriptions and pull episodes it, on it, demand. It,
1: it it does that,
0: but I don't want to create a playlist. Like, is then would I just have to create a playlist that has literally everything? Like, because I don't want to have to think about it. I I just want to be able to see, like, tap on a podcast.
1: Yeah, I guess you you probably do. I um, I have everything in a playlist. Um, so I, I've does never it, really does
2: it, thought a,
0: about it. Does it so I can create a playlist that just includes a like all unplayed episodes of everything on my phone? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then, can I? then see a list
1: of podcasts instead of podcast episodes or no I don't think so no mm. I think I think when you're viewing content that's on your watch I think the only way to see it is in is in playlists not it. not individual shows or anything
0: so when I was trying to troubleshoot this out on my walk oh, without my phone, I tried to go to the app store on the, cause I was like, well, now, now I'm just fussy. Let me try to download the Apple podcast app. And I went to the app store on the watch and it says your iPhone's required. So that was a fool's errand. Yeah. It, it, uh, Apple watch doesn't do a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, turns out like what it does is is good, but I, uh, yeah, I, I don't even know why the app store exists directly on the watch if it's basically useless.
1: Once, once you set up the, the Apple podcast app on your watch, it, it's actually a, it's a way, way better experience on the watch than, Overcast? Than, than Overcast is. Um, mm. I, I, yeah, I, I think, you know, I think you can do things like just view individual shows on your watch. I like kind of do everything you're describing, um, but then, you know, you're dealing with the the apple podcast app in fact yeah no that is the way it works i remember now because the apple podcast app doesn't really i think it kind of does playlists but like in a very very basic way and not in a way that's very good (laughs) um but yeah it it does work pretty well on the watch and the the overcast stuff is um it's it's pretty good it it, you know it, it there's there's syncing issues where syncing progress between your phone and the watch doesn't work super reliably. Um, but, but anyway, it's, it's, it's all right.
0: Okay. All right. A couple of cookies, uh, for Bay area folks, uh, Suvla, the great fast, casual Greek, uh, restaurant chain, uh, it's has maybe like seven or six locations in San Francisco right now. Uh, is going to have its first location in the uh, Take Smart to the Mart Marin Country Mart in beautiful Larkspur, California. So that's pretty cool. So you can get your uh, lamb salad bowls uh, for less than a the cost of a Miller & Lux Old Fashioned. Save yourself $5 and get yourself
1: a, Manhattan. a very filling meal. A what? A Manhattan, not an Old Fashioned.
0: Aren't they uh, close enough? Um, And then also in in even bigger news, uh, I don't know the last time I was at Ghirardelli Square, probably over a decade ago, uh, but Square Pie Guys, the Bay Area Detroit style pizza chain that has a location um, in Soma and also in downtown Oakland that makes delicious pizzas that I just uh, four thumbs up, uh, is going to make a flagship restaurant in Ghirardelli Square, which is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and I I know that that space that they're going into it it it's really nice. So I'm I'm excited to see it. Yeah.
0: Oh, this is something I don't think we talked about on the show. Where there's a place that I've been meaning to go to. Uh, it's called Magnolia Brewery in the Dog Patch. Oh yeah. Yeah. They still they still have their restaurant and they ate, but they I I was I went back to the because I want to see what their last day was. Um. They there was an article in the in uh, eater where. This is the part that bums me out, which was, um, uh, there's a tipster that, uh, tipped off eater about the fact that the landlord was going to raise their rent. Um, and that quote, when the company tried to negotiate the price, the landlord let Magnolia know that they already had a new tenant in mind, a plant based salmon company, which uh, uh, anyway. So yeah, it's a bummer. Um, I've been going through my Airtable database of places I've been meaning to try, and just like kind of bookmarks. And I had to add a new column for restaurants that have uh, that are no longer open due to the pandemic. And yeah, um, it's it's a fair number, and that's mm-hmm. yeah. So anyway, but yeah, two two highlights of a um, Bay Area food.
1: And yet that um, that Square Pie Guys spot sounds like it's going to be opening soon. I think oh, the article really? says like by this summer. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Cool. All right, I will take that into consideration. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, you have some quick stuff about video games, or there's this? I, I don't know the, how pressing these
1: items are. Um. No. Not. Not super pressing um there was a a good Ars technical article article with some data around the shift away from physical game releases to digital game releases which is you know something that we've been talking about forever and and really became kind of a thing um not this most recent generation of consoles but the one before it with the the playstation 4 and xbox one how there was like this huge emphasis on digital but you know i i don't know i think i think what's most interesting about this data is that it shows that these transitions like they, they take a long time like it's not something that just happens overnight and so i think especially with technology news there's sort of like this you know big kind of wave of excitement around a big trend, maybe when like when it's first kicking off, but then there's kind of like this disappointment when it doesn't just happen right away. But but you know, kind of quietly in the background over a number of months and and years, like it's it's slowly chugging along. Um and it's 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 pretty significant with with digital releases where, you know, the number of of physical games being released is is down down by about a third in the last uh, four years and the number of digital game releases has like grown by like 75 percent over that time so so it's interesting
0: i feel like it's one of those things that where only a small number of people would care but was there initially like pushback of like oh you can't sell your games anymore and was everybody all mad about it And just nobody cares anymore is that kind
1: of the deal um, you know, it, it, it's funny you ask that because that's sort of been my big thing with always being like, not skeptical of digital, but just sort of like, it's been something that digital. Can away. Yeah. Um, but it, I don't know, it, it seems like it's become less of a thing. And I don't know, maybe part of the story too, is going to become how, it kind of seems like, like all other media, it, the video games are headed more and more towards a subscription-based model. And so, you know, in that context, it it kind of doesn't matter anymore.
0: Is there any way to give away a game that you own to somebody else or, like, transfer it between, like, PlayStation IDs?
1: I don't think so, no. Lame. I think even, like, you know, they, they do family sharing and that kind of stuff, and I think even that's kind of wonky. Got it. And then,
0: uh, yeah, Sony PlayStation VR 2. Was there a VR 1?
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. The PlayStation VR was kind of a... Was a, it successful? Very, very successful. Yeah. It might have been hmm. like one of the more successful kind of first-gen VR headsets. Um. And yeah, Sony had announced VR 2 a little while ago, but they didn't release any pictures or anything of it. And that, that finally happened. Um. Something that I I kind of thought of when I was reading this Verge article that we'll put in the notes is that um, I feel like Sony in, in some ways is kind of savvy with VR, kind of from like a marketing or pricing standpoint where, you know, the like the headset might only be, you know, like say a few hundred dollars or like you know four or five hundred dollars i think is maybe what the first vr headset was um but you also have to own a (laughs) a playstation which is also you know another 400 bucks or something so it's almost like oh it's almost almost like they're you know able to kind of say well hey this thing's only 400 bucks and like look at you know comparing
0: like to the oculus quest or the the vive or whatever where it seems cheaper by comparison cuz all the compute power is 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 basically a sunk cost or something it, you're not really thinking of.
1: Yeah, 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 which I think is Neat. kind of kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I mean the 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 specs on this thing seem seem really really impressive and you know people people really liked that that first one, so interested to see kind of what this this next one looks like. Cool. Um but also, you know, continue to also really think that games are kind of the only thing that have been even semi-compelling with VR, and games are like one of the things that Apple's worst at, so I just continue to totally not understand what their VR headset is going to be for, but...
0: Yeah, I think there was also again hat tip to German, There was a thing where he was like his read on the Apple headset like was to like kind of uh, like somebody who leaked to him kind of wanted to downplay how it's going to be used and said it's going to be for like I think the quote was like quick informational bursts or something where they, they they're they're anticipating it's not going to be a thing you use for very long, which means it's probably not a gaming thing. But all but also kind of how. Apple like accidentally happened into gaming success as like a very dominant platform for mobile games just by having a good tech stack and something that was easy to program for and they just let everybody else do all the work. So I mean if they happen to make this something that people can make really fun stuff with, I mean that oh, could happen again.
1: And maybe, but if if they're gonna come out with a two thousand dollar headset and the argument is like, yeah you you can play games in this one and they they look a little nicer, so there's that like, i don't well, that's but not that's, that's not good enough,
0: but that's only for the gold plated one that's for the uh, edition.
1: i mean I All thought right. <laughs> I think it was on um maybe upgrade this week where I think it might have actually been part of like ask upgrade where someone basically just asked like based on what we know about the the Apple VR headset, like isn't this thing set up to just be another home pod where it's an over engineered product in a category where people largely don't demand like the highest end because the mid to low end is perfectly fine.
0: Or also just it's just kind of missing the co- the, the point of what the functionality is where it is yeah. nice to have the nicest
1: one of something, but if
0: yeah, that's that's totally fair.
1: Yeah. So I I don't know. See okay. it seems like Kind of seems like we're not going to see that this year. The the Apple headset seemed like that. Like German kind of alluded to it being delayed, and it's it's been eerily quiet on that front for a little while now. So I, I that's starting to feel like that's going to become a 2023 thing now. Mm. And the story, the story of Apple the rest of the year is going to be all that Mac stuff we just talked about, and then, <laughs> um, you know, seems like potentially you know, kind of a, a big update year for the, the phone and watch. And that, that'll that be, you know, Apple's 2022. And then the, the VR thing will be next year. Fine by me. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: sounds like it's for of the best. Mm-hmm. All right. We have a whole bunch of quick stuff. Uh, so the state of West Virginia wants to ban... Uh, somebody introduced a bill to make it illegal to in the state to send uh, over-the-air software updates to customer cars. And this is not does not have anything to do with eliminating false claims of self full self driving or anything like that. It looks like it's engineered only to protect like the dealership model of trying to make you one Tesla doesn't have dealerships. I mean, uh, but to get you to have to go in for a software update and service like it, it's, it, it's it's very silly and, and hopefully it gets killed, but that's, that's dumb. Uh, that will be in the show notes. Uh, I got, uh, a few days ago, uh, I got kind of in a rabbit hole of watching YouTube reviews of various electric cars, and I totally forgot that how weird CarPlay looks in a Mach-E. Like, the Mach-E has kind of, like, the Tesla Model S style, like, just big portrait orientation display in the center console area, and it's weird like it's very narrow just due to the design and it's like it just it looks very out of place. I like I I'm not sure how they could have done it much better, but it it, it looks weird.
1: But I I I mean it it does look weird. I, I think mostly because the screen is in portrait and not landscape. Well, yeah. But I do kind of like the idea of CarPlay basically just being like a window as opposed to taking up the entire screen. I do think that's a really good idea.
0: Well, but so they have. Let me send you. Uh, like back when I was considering other cars, because um, how how Volvo, does yours work? Like
1: your your car the CarPlay just takes over like the whole display, right?
0: Well, it does. But then the car, like the the entire like instrument cluster, is also a big screen. So then all the BMW stuff goes in there. Then okay. But Volvo has the same thing. But I think it looks nicer just because their UI is already black. We're having oh, so it this kind of
1: blends in a little bit more.
0: I think it, it's the white that's super jarring.
1: Well, yeah, it um, what what four did with I think it was sync Four. it might have even been sync three where this first started, like whenever they kind of went to this current design language that they're on. It's just it's, just, it's not very good. So that's mm-hmm. that's yeah, that's an issue. Yeah.
0: Um, and then also, as as a something cherry picked from a EV review, apparently in the Mach E, like you know, how cars will have different modes for like yeah, like in my, mine is either comfort for normal, eco friendly for whatever, and then uh, like sport and sport plus for the yeah plus, uh, for like the more, more aggressive driving modes. On the uh, Mustang Mach E, the sport mode is called Unbridled, which is meh. I don't care for that. Yeah. All right. Uh other quickies. This this is very close to your heart. <laughs> you can now do return uh, there's going to be a trial uh for Target uh where you can do returns through curbside as well. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And, and also, well, are you you're not a Starbucks guy? No, not really. Then <laughs> <laughs> if, if they had a if like if a Bay Area Targets had f- like fills is, is inside them, that would be that be something. Mhm. Yeah um it's cool uh that uh what's it called the um what's the red panda movie uh turning red i think yeah that's coming out in a couple weeks march yeah Yeah, march 11th Mm -hmm. and for some reason uh disney and uh firefox teamed up because the firefox logo is actually a red panda curled up on a globe so
1: Meh. I didn't make that connection. Okay, I get it now.
0: Yeah. Because uh, Darth looks kind of like a fox. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mike Isaac Showtime series, Super Pumped, which the first season is going to be about his book uh, about Uber, got greenlit for a second season, even before the first premiered for his upcoming book about Facebook.
1: Yeah, I, I missed that he was writing a book about facebook but now i know i'm looking forward to that
0: yeah um and then yeah that's pretty much it um i i'm I'm constantly amazed that how much hue stuff there is a few months ago or or maybe probably a year ago at this point i bought one of those hue hue go like h-u-e space g-o little portable hue lights I kind of regret it. I need I need to get rid of it but <laughs> the problem with it is that I hate anything that doesn't charge through USB-C or or even micro USB. It's got this weird funky proprietary charger mm. and it's just not it's it's annoying to charge and it doesn't have like an inductive charging base. Like I kind of like it cuz you kind of have it like simulate being like candles and it's nice to read by but I don't know. But like but I kind I got sucked down a rabbit hole of like oh, and then another one of All the hue stuff, and I feel like if if there was unlimited money, or if there was like a version of the California lottery where instead of winning money, you just won like you get to have every hue thing. And I understand this be less useful money, but that that'd be kind of fun. Or to build a house from scratch with just hue in mind.
1: Yeah, no they they make some they make some cool cool fixtures, but they're the fixtures in particular are are very costly. Yeah,
0: and also I like in their demo houses. I feel like they would run into the Ryan problem. Like, they have so many of these where I don't think they're being mindful of the fact that you can only, what is it, 50 bulbs Ugh. or Zigbee devices per?
1: <laughs> where you, you end up like me, where you've got the two Hue hubs. Was it called the Hubitat? Yeah. Where yeah. The, the lady in a can doesn't support more than one hub, so I have to have the two hubs connected to this other thing, the Hubitat, and then that connect, it, It's a, it's. Have we ever talked about how dumb smart home stuff is? A little bit, <laughs> I well, but again, I thought Apple fixed it's the it. It's the
0: worst. Where, where's where's GitChip on this? <laughs> all right, um, I think that was all the quickies. You want to do chef specials? Uh,
1: I, I'm I'm lazy this week. It's it's got to be Miller and Lux. It's great. It's, yep. it's a it's...
0: <laughs> you know, your your chef special isn't going to be a thing you didn't think was going to be on the show. Well, uh, I uh, yeah. yeah. There's no no rules <laughs> you, on this show. You, you, you backed yourself into it. Um, um no,
1: it, it's great it's you know it's again very very costly and fancy but it's it's great
2: okay all right
0: we well, right, we'll think about it for the q2 off site mm-hmm. um well i was hoping to have like three minutes to buy myself time uh yeah i don't have anything we'll just leave it there keep it a tight hour 30